0: This, this is, is the Spurs, Spurs Cast
1: with, with your host, Paul Garcia. And welcome back to another episode of the Spurs Cast. On today's episode, I will be speaking with Project Spurs writer Benjamin Bornstein. In this episode, Ben and I will discuss NBA draft prospects with the lottery getting closer each week. Let's go ahead and jump right into this episode with Ben. Ben, how you doing? I'm great, sir. How are you? I'm doing very well myself, man. So like I said, uh, the lottery not until May 16th. You and I are recording on uh, April 25th. So you know, a little less than a month away, but let's go ahead and jump right into this, Ben, uh, just to kind of go through some prospects. So I'm gonna go ahead and project uh, the screen just because there's a lot of information on here. So let's first begin with Victor Wimbanyama. Obviously, you know, every mock has him number one. He's still the consensus, the consensus number one. Uh, we do want to note that the Spurs can fall anywhere from number one all the way through number seven in that, that lottery on May 16th. Now let's go to Scoot Henderson, because there are a few mocks that have started to push, uh, not, not a lot, but some, some have uh, you know been more more risky in putting him at, at three and putting Brandon Miller at two. So let's just say uh, the Spurs end up with the second pick. Are, are, is the, the best choice still to take Scoot Henderson there at number two?
0: Yes, absolutely. No question. Do it. That's your point guard of the future. Don't think about it. Stop thinking.
1: <laughs> okay. Uh, and then, of course, uh, you know, if the Spurs end up at number three, well, then most mocks have Brandon Miller there from Alabama at six nine. Uh, what do you where do you think there? what what, you know, the Spurs are a team that, has, um, you know, definitely, you know, you know, they want, they want the player who's really talented, but also, you know, we know that he has some off-court issues and that's one thing that San Antonio usually doesn't like to add to their locker room or players who come in um, with some off-court issues. What do you think what the Spurs uh, might do there if they end up with number three?
0: If they end up with number three, I am very much, oh, man, that was tough. At three, they very well could take Brandon Miller, call it an a day and say, we did our research. We feel good. Mm-hmm you know, everything that he said in the interview checked out, we're
1: fine. Okay. I would, so
0: I would, I would be okay with that for the okay. most
1: part. Yeah. And, and, yeah, exactly. So, and again, it's, it's not like, you know, we, we don't know exactly where the process is going in, in that, you know, in those off in that, that off court, um, off the, off the court controversy. So again, we'll kind of see what happens there. Uh, I agree there. I think San Antonio would, would, would take him if they end up with number three. Uh, now here's where it gets a little interesting. So let's just say the Spurs end up with the fourth pick, the consensus, um, uh, Pick right there is um Almond Thompson six seven out of overtime elite is that still the best choice or do you mean that's where they get in the territory maybe starting to t- to look at trades you know to go to go back in the in the draft
0: you maybe entertain some trades and again I've said this uh, I've said this with Joe Garcia a few times um, and I I'm pretty sure I've screamed this on Twitter somewhere but um like when you get to number five that's where you have to that's where you you really start considering trades and i would even do so at 4 but at 4 for me at 4 and 5 there's almost no difference okay um you at at 4 if you're going to if you're going to use your pick and keep it amen thompson good with that i'm comfortable with that that's a 6 7 point guard who's going to be great defensively for you immediately um you well he should be he He's, they've got some bad habits in overtime elite, but he has the athleticism, the speed, mm-hmm. the strength, all of those things to be a good defensive point guard. You just got to teach him the shooting. Um, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and move to five for yeah, you. Go ahead. I know we're going to get there. Five for me, no question, Jairus Walker. If you're going oh, okay. to mm-hmm. use the pick and keep it, Jairus Walker, number five, do it. Fantastic defensive, big, versatile, will guard three or four positions for you. Offense is not going to hurt you at all. Um, He's going to provide a little bit of mid-range shooting, maybe a little bit of outside shooting um, at the power forward position. He can kind of play small ball five if you need him to. Good rebounder, good defender. Five is where I really start looking at let's consider some trades. And if you're going to trade down, I think the only team you trade with in this draft right now is the Orlando magic. And you are, we are operating under the assumption that they are going to have their own top 10 pick and they're going to have a bulls top 10 pick. Mm. I think, I think the bulls pick is top four protected, if I'm not mistaken, but their likelihood of getting the number a a top four pick is super low. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So we're operating under the assumption that the magic have both of those picks um and they're going to um they have sorry they have both the picks they need they're going to trade up they also have a ton of dudes on their roster that are young and they like them so using two lottery picks for them doesn't make a whole lot of sense so moving them up one Mm -hmm. or moving moving them up into the top five to just take one guy makes more sense
1: Okay, you know what now? Uh, I think once the lottery's over, I'm going to have some some um, other prospects now in those ranges where the magic picks are going to be and just so that when next time I bring you you want I want you to like you know we can definitely uh, dig into those prospects. Let me ask you something though. It felt like when I did the the, the January mock update and then also the February one before March madness, it felt like Jared Swalker was a little bit lower and now it feels like he's kind of like improved his 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 draft status because of the tournament. Do you think that do you feel like that's kind of what happened or or maybe it might just think things wrong? I thought he was I thought his draft stock was improving even before March okay. Madness. Mm-hmm.
0: He um, he had been playing really well in conference play. It okay. helps that they're not in a great conference. They're they're in the AAC, which is probably mm-hmm. like the seventh or eighth best conference in the country. Um, but he was he was still playing much better than he was at the beginning of the season. He understood his role very well. He was playing excellent defense. He was rebounding the heck out of the ball um march certainly didn't hurt him um his team was hurt a lot of other guys on that team were physically hurt and then they got hurt when they didn't get to the final four being played in houston so that was not ideal but um for him great season i think
1: okay and then uh now i want to get into some prospects um who are kind of like still mentioned on the top seven again? I'm I'm, not, I'm just going to go through the list of names. Then you can kind of tell me, you know, who who do you like, or is that are, are all these? Are, is this spot one through? Yeah. S- I mean, yeah, you know, four through seven too high for these players. So let's begin with Cam Whitmore, six seven out of Villanova. Um He's seventh on some mocks. Um, he's mock average is about eighth. Then we have Anthony Black, six seven out of Arkansas. Um He's sixth and seventh on some mocks. Um, mock average is about eighth. Taylor Hendricks, eleventh, um, six nine. Um, actually, no, he's six nine. Yes, uh, fourth and seventh. Uh, or some mocks have him going there. Uh, mock average is about 11th though, so that's pretty high reach right there. Nick Smith Jr., 6'5" out of Arkansas, 7th on on one mock and then his mock average is about 13th and then also Keontae George, 6'4" out of Baylor, 6th on a mock. Um, mock average is about 13th. So I'm going to go to fix that slide that I had. Um any of those players intrigue you? Uh, you know, if, if it was if that player landed between like 4 and 7 or or do you know that's a reach for any of those players? What do you think? Um I don't think any of those guys... Well,
0: Taylor Hendricks is probably a reach at seven. Okay. Um, he's he's definitely a guy who's later in the lottery. He's still a lottery pick, but later in the lottery. Cam mm-hmm. Whitmore, I've seen a lot at seven, and that makes sense to me. I have no issue with that. Um, Anthony Black in that range is fine as well. That's... I mean, he's a six, seven point guard. You really liked what he did for Arkansas. There were times where he was holding that team together... Mm-hmm. Uh, by by threads because he was the only like true point guard who could play at the position because nick smith was injured so often so he was he was asked to do a lot that he may not have necessarily wanted or should have been doing so i think he gets a lot of credit for that which he should
1: I feel like uh, just going back to the tournament, how we said like, it felt like Jairus Walker made a little bit of a jump. I feel like the tournament really hurt Nick Smith Jr. And Keontae George. Cause after they both played in the tournament, I really feel like their draft stock kind of plummeted a little bit more. They were both like in the, in the cl- kind of close to that lottery range when I first, you know, did some mocks back in the January, February.
0: Yeah. I think for Nick Smith, he didn't play particularly well in the tournament games and he needed to, because he had played so few regular season games, um, he was a guy who was injured off and on throughout mm-hmm. the season in his lone season at Arkansas. He just, people wanted to see more consistency out of him and they didn't get the showcase they were hoping for from him. So he, he fell a little bit and Keontae George, I think there were just like, there were just not a lot of people who were watching a whole lot of Baylor throughout the season. Cause everybody figured, ah, mm-hmm. they'll be solid. They'll be good in the big 12. It'll be fine. But that Baylor team was really weird. And Keontae George, um, I thought, was a bit of a shot jo- shot jacker. Uh, his, okay. his efficiency numbers are really bad. Um, he took a lot of tough shots. So on on top of not making them, the decision-making was not great, I thought, at times. But he could be a really good defensive guard, potentially defending one or two positions. So he has that potential. But... Baylor not advancing very far, not playing particularly well, also hurt him.
1: Okay. Yeah. All right. So again, those are again. We don't want to dive too too much into the um. You know, the top seven, just because again, we don't know exactly where the Spurs' lottery pick is going to be. It's most likely going to be a top three pick. Is is the best. You know, the best odds, fourteen percent there. And if not, a uh, you know, the fourth spot is really good. for them. the 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 rarest chance, like we talked about on uh, the Two Shots podcast with Joe Garcia, Ben and I recently, was that there's a ninety three percent chance that it's not going to be number seven. So again, the se- the seventh pick right there is probably is, is the most unlikely though. It you know, there's a rare chance that it could happen. So again, we'll kind of see what happens on on May sixteenth, whenever um, uh, the lottery does take place. And like Ben said, I, I do want to, I'm more intrigued now to start looking at some trade teams and seeing, you know, who has some picks down the line, just get, you know, number five through seven. And maybe they, they do look at maybe trading, trading back if they don't if, end up. If with you want picks one. this
0: year, I mean, to mm-hmm. me, it's only the Orlando magic. If you're looking at picks, okay. maybe for next year, you probably start looking at OKC.
1: Okay. Okay. So yes, definitely. consider. Yeah, just
0: stockpiled all of those picks. Yeah, and you and you made at, such a good point. point about they're going to have to be, um, they're going to have to be buyers in the sense that they're going to jettison some of the younger talent, realizing okay, we have guys we like, we need a veteran or two to come in here, and that's going to complete us as a playoff team and as a true contender, so we can get rid of all of these picks, knowing that we're going to be making playoffs year in and year out for the next however many years.
1: Yeah, no, for sure. It's almost like it, it reminds me of the Car- Spurs' cap space right now with the new CBA coming. It's like you're going to have to use that cap space like, eventually. <laughs> it's like yeah. you can't just, oh, you can't just you know, have all that. That's like...
0: going to be a nightmare to go through.
1: <laughs> so, yeah, it, it won't start in year one. All right, man. So now let's go to the second round. And again, these are just very early, you um, know, you know, draft, mock drafts. Uh, we, we don't exactly know where the Spurs are going to pick on in terms of the first uh, second round pick that they're going to have They're going to have 32nd or 33rd. It just depends on where they and the Rockets fall in the lottery So we'll know that uh, you know on lottery night on, on May 16th uh, But we do know that we do know they're gonna have the 44th pick a uh, second-round pick via t- the Toronto Raptors So what we're gonna do here Ben. Let's first focus on the 32nd slash 33rd um, range We don't have to talk about every single one of these players But are any do the any of these players intrigue you Do you expect not to see these players there in, in the second round or, or should the Spurs act absolutely grab that player? If they are if they do fall, you know by chance to the second round, so let's begin. Here we have uh Bryce Sensabaugh, 6'6 out of Ohio State. He's expected to go to the first round. At, uh, mock average is 20th, but one mock did have him at, at 32nd. Uh, we have Derek Lively, the second, 7'1 out of Duke. He's again, he's also supposed to go in the first round. Mock average is 22nd. We have Trace Jackson Davis, 6'9", out of Indiana. His mock average is also first-rounder, 28th. We have Bilal uh, Kulibali, 6'7", out of Metropolitan's 92, which is where Victor Wimbanyama plays. Uh, He's also supposed to go late in the first round at 29th. We have Kobe Jones, 6'6 out of out of Xavier. Um, mock average is right there at 30th. And then we have Andre Jackson, six out of Yukon. Mock average is kind of right there at 35th. So that, that's a player who's more realistic in terms of being right there at the 32nd, 30 sec, or 33rd spot. Are, do any of those players Ben intrigue you and or or you know who who should the Spurs actually absolutely take if that player were to fall to 32, 33? Yeah, Bryce Sensibon and Derek Lively are not gonna be there. They are okay, they should be so, first round <laughs> locks, no
0: question. Okay. Uh Trace Jackson Davis, if he falls there, take him. Um, he, it, people probably won't like that as much. He's basically a six, nine center who doesn't shoot outside of the paint, but his rim protecting has been fantastic for Indiana. He can get whatever he wants when he's posting up. You can run a second unit offense around him. Really is what it comes down to, okay. um, Bilal has been getting a lot of hype recently, um, because he plays with Metro Mets 92 and, mm-hmm. and with Victor Wembanyama, and he's been playing really well. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised to see him there. That would be a solid pick. Uh, Colby Jones is a guy I personally like too. six, six wing, um, Andre Jackson. I think if he decides to stay in okay. the draft, I believe he, uh, hired an agent, but kept his eligibility. So if he decides to stay, I really like him too. That's a really good connective piece. There were times he made he made Yukon run smoothly. So okay. I'm I'm a, I'm about that life
1: I'm glad you really brought that up right there. So, yes, uh, you know, just for those, you know, that, that have, um, you know, gone through the lottery process before kind of listening to the Spurs cast. We do want to note, though, like Ben said, though, that there is an early um, there's an early entry, um, you know, withdrawal deadline kind of thing that's going to happen. I believe it's in, in sometime in June. I'll have to look it up uh, at some point. But, yes, yeah, so, so not all these players that we're going to talk about today may even end up staying in the draft. They may, you know, they may decide to go back to college or back to their, their professional team if they're overseas players and maybe wait another year to come into the draft. All right, Ben, now let's look at some, play, some players in the 44th pick range uh and, and again uh, just you know you don't talk about every single player here just is there anybody here who intrigues you if the player to fall there should they so the spurs absolutely take that player so we have uh nikola uh, Duricic, 6'8 out of mega mozarts from serbia um, mock average is about 43rd so right there in that range Jalen clark 6'5 out of ucla mock average is right there at 44. Uh, Tristan uh, Vuk- Vukovic, six uh, eleven, Serbia, out of Serbia. Mock average is about fiftieth. And then Imani Bates, six uh, ten, out of Eastern Michigan. Mock average is about fifty first. So, so Bates and uh, Vuk- Vukovic should be there, uh, you know, according to these mocks right now. Is there any of those players intrigue you?
0: So I haven't gotten to look at any of the European guys yet. So I don't really okay. have an opinion on Dersic, Vuk Vukovic. I don't have an opinion on either of those guys. But Jalen Clark. At 44, it'd be really nice. Great defensive okay. uh, guard slash wing. Um, probably was underrated at UCLA because they just had a lot of dudes. They had, they legitimately had like six or seven starters, and you just can't play all of them starter minutes. So he kind of, I think he kind of got lost in there a little bit. Um, but I like him. Uh, Amani Bates scares me. He's had some off court issues. Oh, okay. Um, and he was he was re- really bad at memphis and needed to get out and i think part of it was all of that mega hype that he got going into college and on top of that he went a year early which i think hurt him and then he kind of got to go to emu after memphis try and reset and he played much better and he was, he was a much different player. He was a much better player, but that's a guy who's also super skinny. He's going to have to put on weight at some point. Um, I actually don't even know if he's worth, um, if he's worth a flyer at 44, but where you had him on your average mock at 50th, I'd probably feel fine.
1: Okay. Okay. So that was too much of a stretch. And then lastly, um, you know, actually, I actually I I meant I meant to put this in uh these players in the notes, uh, but but let's just go straight to the Project Spurs homepage. I do want to mention two of the players you you recently wrote about, and if you kind of give the Spurs cast listeners, uh, you know, just some background on these players, uh, who, and of course they can read the full profiles that that you wrote there. Um, on, on Project Spurs, So let's begin here. Uh, we have um, Isaiah Wong. And then we also have a uh, case and wallace. So I know you already talked about um, trace Jackson Davis. Also, if you want to mention about Amari Bailey, those are three players that you recently wrote about. You want to say anything about those players? Yeah. Isaiah Wong, ACC player of the year will
0: score almost at will. He takes and makes difficult shots on the regular. Um, if you can get him to lock in uh, mentally on defense, he can be a good defender. Um, he didn't always care too much because Miami said, we're just going to try to outscore you, um, in a lot of their games. And they did. I mean, they were the best team in the ACC, so you can get away with that. Uh, as far as case Wallace goes, he's the best perimeter defender in this draft. No questions. Um, the offense is okay. He's shown some flashes. I think he's capable of more because a lot of times when guys go to Kentucky, coach Calipari doesn't feature them and he doesn't let them play necessarily the style that they would like or that would be best for them. Uh, Great example of this, uh, Carl Anthony Towns basically never shot threes for Kentucky, does that now as a much better offensive player. Uh, Bam Adebayo didn't do as much Mm -hmm. for Kentucky as he's doing for the Miami Heat. So there's certainly a precedent for Cason Wallace to come out and be a much different player than what he was in college and probably be better.
1: And when you say he's like uh, one of the premier defenders, are you talking about like he's like one of the lockdown fen- lockdown defenders, or like one of those defenders like makes plays everywhere? It's just kind of involved in everything, and blowing plays up. That's that kind of defender.
0: I mean, definitely a lockdown guy on ball, but he shoots passing lanes pretty well and anticipates fairly well. Okay. Um, but I would I would say he's probably more known as like a, as a really lockdown on ball defender.
1: Okay. Okay, and then uh, did you want to say anything about Amari Bailey?
0: Uh, Amari Bailey, guy who might be sneakily rising up after workouts happen. Um, Another Mm -hmm. guy at UCLA who just, it was hard to find minutes because they already have so many good players that are upperclassmen and they know the system. They know what Mick Cronin wants and they know winning basketball. Not that Amari Bailey doesn't, but those guys were just always going to get more minutes unless Amari Bailey did something absolutely unbelievable Throughout the season and he was a good player, but he wasn't, you know, eyes pop out of your head. Great. But I think he'll have an opportunity to show a little bit more of that in workouts as well. When, when he can be more of a focal point or he can, he has the opportunity to, you know, play basically play more minutes and just get, get himself into the flow of a game much easier.
1: Okay. Okay. So again, Spurscast listeners, make sure uh, if you want to check out the, the profiles of those players, make sure to check out Ben's work over on Project Spurs. He's continued to just write, you know, a lot of different pro- prospects. So so definitely check out Ben's work. Um, you know, he's going to have a lot of players covered. Now. And I forgot, man, what I did last year was put all the players you had wrote about in, in my mock drafts. So I'm going to make sure to add that as well. You know, all the players, their links and everything like that. Um, so thanks to Ben for joining me here on this episode of Spurscast. Again, we didn't want to dive too, too much into this just because we don't know exactly where the Spurs are going to draft. We'll have a better idea once the lottery does take place on May 16th. But I kind of just wanted to get Ben's initial thoughts. You know, going into the lottery with a few weeks, um, few few weeks left before that takes place. So, for Benjamin Bornstein, I am Paul Garcia. We also want to say, uh, say a shout out to Joe Garcia for mixing and producing this episode. Thank you. Have a great day.